Hello, hello, fellow dreamer, and welcome back to the Dream Your Life podcast. I am so glad that you chose to be here today. So thank you. Okay, so I want to give you some context into today's episode and today's conversation. A few weeks back, I reached out to Ava Johanna. She is a spiritual development mentor and breathwork teacher and practitioner. And I reached out to her because I found myself really interested in and intrigued by breathwork and specifically how to use breathwork as an embodiment practice to release stress and anxiety and also help with manifestations or manifesting. And I had done breathwork a few times and I knew that there was something powerful there. Um, I didn't feel like I'd quite understood, quite got it right, and I wanted to explore it further for my clients, but also for myself. And I've now been pretty religious with meditation, with my meditation practice, which has been really helpful for me and also for my clients. And I was curious about how breathwork could help with this practice um, of meditating to give me and help me and my clients become more connected and also help release the emotions and thoughts that don't serve. So I found Ava, who is this true expert in breathwork, kind of like a breathwork guru, and she has also a wonderful podcast. And I loved how she talked about using breathwork to handle personal triggers and really transmute those triggers into power. Whether you're triggered by certain people or things that you see on social media or things people say or certain environments, like we all get triggered and we get triggered all the time. Breath work can be a really powerful part of the process of healing and of growth. So in this interview, you'll hear Ava's story Um, which is really incredible in and of itself, Um, but also how she's used breathwork in her life to deal with a lot of her own past traumas and pains and challenges. But we really dive deep into the topic of triggers. And I am telling you the way she describes what triggers are from a scientific standpoint and also how she breaks down the process of working through them. Well, let's just say I honestly think it's going to help you so much because it did me. We also do a live breathwork exercise here um, on the podcast during the recording. So you can actually see and experience what it's like for yourself. It's just about a minute or two, but man, I... I think you'll feel the benefits right away because I definitely did. So be sure to stick around for that. And then finally, we talk about how breath work can help you with your manifestations. And this too is so powerful. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I would love for you to share it on your social media, on Instagram, um, if you have that. And if you find this valuable so that others can benefit as well, you can just take a screenshot and tag me at dream your life now. Um, and then Ava is at Ava Johanna. All right, guys, let's jump right into this amazing conversation. Hello. Hello. I'm Julia. And this is the dream your life podcast. This podcast is your guide to intentionally creating the life of your dreams. We talk purpose and passion and love and work and money and family and attaining abundance across all of these things. I'm here because I know from my own experiences that with the right mindset, all of us can live our dream life. So join me and start dreaming your life today. Hello, hello, Ava. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. I can't wait to chat with you today. Me too. Okay, we're going to start how I always start these, and that is with gratitude. So Ava, um, can you share three things that you are grateful for right now in your life? 
Mm, I love this so much. Well, I am first and foremost, what comes to mind, just grateful that I have my breathwork and meditation practice to start my mornings with. It's been kind of an up and down ride over the past few months with traveling and moving and getting the house settled. And so it's easy in those times of transition to kind of get kicked off of our normal routine. And it feels so good to just be back in my practice and just doing it to bring more joy into my day. So that's definitely at the top of my list. I think the second thing is kind of silly, but I'm sure you can understand. Um, I have had landscapers in and out of my house for the past two weeks now and have been doing this massive project in the backyard. Like literally mm. my uh, my boo and I have been pouring concrete and creating <laughs> 40 by 40 concrete pavers in the backyard to do a patio that was just such an intense project that we had no idea that like it was just going to be heavy lifting in a hundred degree weather the entire project through and having you know a group of landscapers in and out of the backyard putting in sod it's almost done like in the next 48 hours and just like seeing it all come to life is so exciting and also just like makes me so proud too like I had no idea that I would be able to take on such a big project and we did it and it looks so good and I'm just like so excited for the backyard to be complete I love wait when you say are you physically helping them or or it's it was your idea and you like drew it out and conceptualized oh, it Oh no I mean I conceptualized it and yeah. then um my my man is very very handy like he built yeah. this beautiful cedar mantle above my fireplace in the living room Whoa. And when I yeah when I told him what I wanted to do initially I was getting quotes from landscaping companies and he's like well why don't we just do this ourselves like it's not going to be that challenging and then we started looking at we first started digging and then um had realized like how intense it is to dig up such a big <laughs> a big area and then we were like oh we'll go get concrete pavers and the pavers were like two tons and so he was like well let's just pour the concrete ourselves and, oh my and then- <laughs> I have never spent so much time in Home Depot. Like I know it like the back of my hand now, but yeah. So as far as like the concrete aspect goes, uh, we did that ourselves and then everything else in the backyard, like installing irrigation system, rolling out the sod, like that was all done by the landscaping team, which actually I would like to say is probably the easier work. Yeah. Well, you know what this reminds me of, and not to get derailed because I know we're just on number two of gratitude, but I just heard, do you, do you listen to Abraham Hicks? I do. Yeah. Uh So so Esther Hicks, well, I guess she was channeling Abraham, but was talking about how um, she had created this like little tree house thing in her kind of like a, a different level in her home. And she conceptualized it and the process of building it with this like rope ladder. And she got so into it and she said it was so much fun. Everyone had so much fun doing it. And then when it was done, you know, it's a kind of like with manifestation, once you've manifested it, it's like, oh, great. But what's so fun and what's so beautiful is the actual process of it, like mm. the seeing it unfold. So this for you, I can only imagine you're, you know, you're going to have your beautiful yard, but you're going to look back on this time and that's going to be the real special part, you know, the memories that you're creating. Absolutely. And it's also just like, I think because, you know, I work, I don't work with my hands. I I work on the computer. I always have. And to be able to like have this extracurricular where I'm actually working with my hands and there's this yeah. finished pro- product right in front of me is so gratifying. So I absolutely yeah. gr- agree. And I love that story. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. so we have number your, three. Yeah. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the third would just be being able to have this conversation with you, um, you know, again, working behind a computer and primarily being on my own as an entrepreneur. I don't have a big team. I don't have a co-founder or anything like that. So having conversations like this, being able to connect from like the ability to connect with you, even though we are across the country is just such a gift that I think we take for granted. And yeah, I'm just really grateful that we get to have this conversation today and that there's people all over the world that get to listen to it as well. Me too, Ava. I I mean, since starting this podcast, I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I think just exactly what you just said, 
being able to have conversations with people around the world and then having people around the world hear the conversations and talking about things that are really like that I find inspiring, that I'm motivated by. Like there is so much to be grateful for about that. And what, I mean, how cool that we get to do that as part of our work. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, what? Like I have people in my programs that are in Tokyo right now. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also Ava, we're, um, we, I, I'm in Los Angeles um, in Pacific Palisades, just North of where you grew up in, or part of where you grew up in Santa Monica. Um, so I want to, I guess this is a segue into your story. And I had mentioned to you that um, the reason that I reached out to you is I, I somehow got on your email list. And honestly, I don't know how, I don't even remember, <laughs> but, um, and then I started following you on Instagram, but there was one email that you sent where you um, were talking about a little bit about your childhood and some of the things that you went through. And I would love for us to just start there. So um, I, there's, I'm sure a lot of different ways that you can um, go about this, but can you kind of hit on just some of the milestones in your life and how um, your path took you to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so for anybody listening, if you know Pacific Palisades or you know a majority of LA, especially like the Northern County of LA, then you know it's a pretty affluent area. And I grew up, I would say middle-class, but when my mom decided to separate from my stepdad, she didn't have the means set up to really be able to support us, um, let alone make rent or be able to pay for her car. So pretty shortly after she ended up splitting up with my stepdad and taking care of me and my sister, she wasn't able to keep up with all of the bills and we were evicted from our house. Her car was repossessed and we were forced for a bit of a year to live off of couches at neighbors' houses, um, family members. I'd stay with my boyfriend. I'd stay with friends. And it was a pretty intense and like polarizing experience to what I had grown up with mm. and really, you know, above all lit a fire under me to never be in that position again, which has been a little bit of a double-edged sword. I would say building my own business and reconciling, re reconciling my relationship with money and self-worth and work. And so I really took that, that flame that started from that experience and used it to first and foremost, get out of LA. I moved down to San Diego and first for a while, uh, tried the whole college thing, but didn't really find much purpose or passion within it. So I ended up actually um, definitely doing some work to a resume that maybe shouldn't have had quite as many skills or, or um, certifications on it, but it had ended up getting me into a position like an entry-level marketing job, which then over time, over the, over the course of a few years developed into a position as a digital marketing director at a, um, at, at a well-known San Diego marketing company. And it was really beautiful because I learned so many skills, but at the same time, I just didn't feel passionate about it. And I had this mentality of, you know, work hard, play harder, and you're not supposed to like your work because that's what the weekends are for, for mm -hmm. like have fun then. And, you know, I was really just putting my body through the ringer. I was in really terrible relationships and I just felt very disconnected from what life was meant to be. And I remember at a certain point having this conversation with my mom where I told her, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm just in this rinse and repeat cycle where I wake up, I go to work, I get off and then I do it all over again. And, yeah. you know, it just feels like I'm starring in someone else's movie, but this isn't meant to be my life. Mm -hmm. And around the same time, I actually got a promotion at the job that I was working at and I remember my life kind of flashing before my my eyes of like this 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 person will be me like I will turn into this person then I will turn into the person above them then the person above them and all of them seem pretty miserable so mm. there's got to be more than just this paycheck that can make me happy and I I'm 
pretty devoted to figuring out what that is. And that's actually around the same time that I found yoga and finally felt embodied again and started just going down that rabbit hole of something that made me feel like I was coming home to myself. And through that, I found breath work and meditation. And after I um, graduated from my yoga teacher training, having the marketing skills that I did, and now this passion and love for yoga, I saw this opportunity where a lot of you know yoga teachers, healers, um, practitioners that are doing really important work for this world have no idea how to brand themselves, create a sustainable business and really find that exchange for all of the love that they put into their clients and their work um, from a financial aspect. And so that was kind of my turning point where I started focusing on spiritual business coaching and then also incorporating breathwork and meditation into that as well as uh, developing now the Academy of Breath, which is a teacher training focused on breathwork and meditation for coaches, healers, and teachers who want to expand their core offerings. So it's been a wild journey and I've pivoted so many times, but it's also so beautiful and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. So like looking back now, do you feel like all the dots have connected and everything has led you to where you are? Do you feel like there are still lots of different things you want to do? I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how just kind of when you think about infinite possibilities, if you feel like this right now is the path that you're meant to be on. Mm, What a beautiful question. I love this. Yeah. I mean, I think that in retrospect, looking back at all of it, it all makes sense. And even thinking about how intense my last year was um, and how I felt like I was just being ripped to shreds in all aspects of my life. Like I questioned my work. I questioned my relationships. I questioned my environment. It was like a true existential crisis and being able to stand outside of it, I see and get why I went through all of those things because now I see so many people in my community and my clients and my friends that are experiencing the same thing. And it has just, that more than anything was just a reminder of the purpose in the pain that we experience and navigate. And that on the other side of it, there's like nuggets of gold that we can utilize for ourselves and then to help other people. So when I think back about, you know, being homeless or when I used to go to the money tree to get payday advances because I couldn't afford my rent or was overdrafted thousands of dollars and had thousands of dollars on my credit card. I think that all of those experiences, as hard as they were to go through them, as much shame as I felt, as as desperate as I felt, as much doubt and fear as I felt, all was preparation for who I am today and how I can help other people and be compassionate and empathize with people where they're at versus, you know, be totally out of the loop on what humans are experiencing and all of the different flavors of how we can experience those kind of core wounds around shame and worthiness and, and, and lack and scarcity. And so there's definitely a a very beautiful picture of dots connected from my past. And I guess to answer your question of feeling like I'm on my path and, and where I want to go. And if this is, this is it, this is it right now. You know, I think Mm -hmm. one of the big shifts that I've had to make is understanding that there's no destination. It's all a part of the journey. And that has really alleviated a lot of the pressure that I have put on myself to succeed and to accomplish. I'm a very ambitious person and shifting the perspective into understanding that I'm always going to want more that I'm somebody who's devoted to growth and committed to becoming all that I can means that it's never going to end. And there's always going to be some new level to play in. And that doesn't mean that where I'm at right now isn't perfect though. Yeah. Totally. And I, I love that. And I, I mentioned to you that I listened um, actually just this morning to one of your podcast episodes on 
triggers and imposter syndrome and the sisterhood wound. And I want to touch on those, but I think what you're saying right now is so powerful. And I think it's something that all of us can think about in our own life, which is looking at the challenges and the triggers and the traumas and the difficulties in our life as opportunities for growth and healing and learning. Um, And I'd love to just kind of dive into this a little bit more with you. And especially, you know, thinking about um, some of the stuff that you had to go through in childhood. um, And I can only imagine, I mean, you you mentioned um, money, but like some of the triggers that have come up for you over the past few years and this, as you're really putting yourself out there on social media and as you're building this online business, um, can we talk about triggers um, and a little bit about, I mean, I think you, you had so many nuggets of gold in that podcast episode you did, but I'd love to start with just really what triggers are, and maybe you can use examples from your own life or, or with clients that you've had and where they come from. Yeah. I mean, I would love to kind of take this from a very like scientific standpoint because Ooh, I think yeah. that this will help, this will help people to really wrap their heads around it. Let's so, do it. so our brains have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to protect us because when we were cave people, the only way for us to learn was through experiencing something and then getting some sort of feedback from that experience. Mm -hmm. So as an example, if you, and we're going to talk from like the, the cave, the cave people, cavemen ages, like if you went to this river and went to go drink the water from the river, and as you were drinking the water from the river, this big river snake came up and bit you or, or got really close to you and, and, and created this threatening experience your brain will basically uh, file that as a threatening experience. And so everything that was going on in your surroundings at that time will be filed in the, this could be a potentially threatening experience. So everything from the, um, the feeling of the water, the environment that you're taking in with your senses. Um, if you had somebody there with you, right. What you were even wearing, we store all of that information so that we don't go back to do that thing again. Now that makes a lot of sense when it's life or death, right. When we are actually in a physically threatening situation that could lead to us no longer existing, Unfortunately, it's been maladaptive in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, it's been an amazing adaptation. But when you think about it from the perspective of I get triggered every time I see a text message come through from this person, or I get triggered if somebody um, speaks to me in this way, or if I don't, I get triggered, let's say like social media as an example, I get triggered Mm -hmm. if my post doesn't perform well, Mm -hmm. these things are not actually threatening situations, but they can send off the same exact chemical response in our body as if we are going to die. And even though that sounds like really intense and dramatic, that's actually what's happening in our brain when we're getting triggered. Our brain is saying, this is an unsafe environment. Mm -hmm. Now, What's interesting is that I think we live in an environment where we are also creating a little bit too much softness for people that actually dilutes our ability to tolerate stress or triggering or activating situations. And so there's this like interesting dichotomy here where, you know, we are living in an environment where we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, where we want to be PC. And of course, in a lot of, in a lot of ways that is accurate. And if we are raising a, a um, generation where children can't actually handle stress, that's going to do way more harm to them than good. Now I'll take my sister as an example, take for a, take it with a grain of salt because she does have autism. So her emotional and social um, cues are way different than an atypical child or a typical child. Um, But when she gets a bad comment on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever social media platform she's using, it will destroy her entire day because she has been 
very much so coddled and has been provided an environment where everything has to go her way. So it's experiences like that that can over um over exhaust the 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 need for creating an untriggering environment that actually are doing more harm than good. So I think that that's an important thing that I want to talk about because I think we can get into this this space of thinking that triggers are bad, but triggers are actually just information for us. So when mm-hmm. we think about um, what we're getting triggered by, it's giving us an opportunity to question it first. And I mean, form, first and foremost, become aware of it, but question whether it's something that we desire to not be able to tolerate or have greater tolerance around. So I think that it's a really beautiful thing to incorporate if you, again, I think showing up online is the easiest because I think that's where a lot of people get triggered is through, through relationship, right. And through fitting in. Um, but if you get triggered by seeing, let's say seeing somebody else's success online, what is that actually triggering? What is the story behind that? Is that is seeing somebody's success online and not being able to tolerate seeing that and getting into this emotional frenzy actually helpful for you? Or is this an opportunity for you to challenge that trigger and create and replace it with something that's going to be more empowering and also more regulating for your nervous system? Um, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but I think like the basis of what a trigger is, is a chemical reaction in your body that is telling you that whatever environment or experience or situation you're in is unsafe. Mm -hmm. Now, again, whether that's true or not is, is, is our, is, is up to us essentially to decide what we want to do. That's going to empower us or what is going to disempower us. And of course there are going to be triggering situations that are valid and rational, but for the most part, triggers can be information for us to help us grow. Totally. And I love that so much. And I um, have a couple questions, thoughts, but so um, when we talk about triggers and we talk about the first step of, you know, the first step is to become aware of it. Cause you know, I think a lot of us go through and we're, and we're triggered by something and we just keep moving through it. Right. Or if, if, if you're not in this space and you, and you haven't really focused on personal growth, like you get triggered, we all get triggered by things all the time. So becoming aware of it. And then, like you said, questioning it. So in the example of, you know, seeing someone's success online, um, okay, I'm feeling something in my body that's uncomfortable. Why am I feeling this way? What do we do next? What is that? How do we transmute that into power, into growth, into, you know, up-leveling? Yeah. So for me, I think the important aspect of dealing with triggers is understanding that The trigger, because it creates a chemical reaction in your body, is actually bringing you into a fight or flight state. And that fight or flight state over time, especially if we're like constantly being triggered by something or we ruminate on something too much, which I think we're all very good at is letting that um, uh, letting that trigger turn into a story and then following that story down this crazy rabbit hole where we're like, how did I get here? I'm crying on the floor. Um, but the, the, the consistent like staying or remaining in the stress response will actually shut down the frontal lobe of your brain, which is where cognitive thought lives. And so Mm -hmm. you can tell yourself, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to celebrate her or whatever it might be. But your body is telling you something entirely different. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the path through working, the path to working through triggers is by taking an embodied approach and really using your body as a way to move through whatever feelings of unsafety you have within you. Um, So that's why breath work has been such a powerful tool for me because we can use our breath and consciously 
um, adapt these techniques to activate a safety response in our body so that we can turn back the frontal lobe, turn on the frontal lobe of the brain, and then all of the all of the positive affirmation, all of the things that we cognitively know will actually be absorbed into our subconscious. Yes. And this is, I, I have a note that I want to talk to you about breath work, which I know um, you are an expert in. And so I think this is a great segue, but first it, this, this all just reminds me also, and I can't remember if I've already talked about it on the podcast, but um, Ava, have you read burnout the book? No, but I feel oh. like I need to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's exactly this, but it's, it, it really talks about, um, you know, it actually goes back to evolutionary times, cavemen times, how, you know, you mentioned the snake in the river and how, um, our body, exactly what you said, we create this chemical response, but, you know, back in the day, what we would do is we'd either die, right? Like we'd be eaten by the snake or by whatever wildebeest is chasing us. Or we would go run to the village, you know, chase it, kill the thing, have a ceremony. And all of that is embodiment, right? Like we are actually releasing that stress that is in our body. And nowadays, you know, it isn't a snake. Like you said, it's not a life or death. It's your boss or it's the person online. And it creates that same chemical reaction, but we're not actually releasing it from our body. We don't get the, that ceremony with the village people. We don't, um, we don't dance around. There's nothing. It just stays stagnant. And then it lives there. And then it just builds up and continues the more of this that happens. So um, in the book, burnout, the, the, the whole, thesis is like, we need to release stress from our body. So, you know, whether that's meditation or even dancing or movement or exercise or whatever it is, um, it is so important as a closure to that whole stress response cycle. So I would love to hear, um, a little bit about breath work because, um, just for some personal context, I have done breath work now I think I've done it three times and I, I've, I, there's a, a teacher here in LA who's incredible and I've done some private sessions. Well, it was like a group private session and everyone in that I've done it with has had these like crazy, you know, their hands will cramp up or they'll like have this like crazy body response where like they can feel the energy moving and like, it, you know, they can feel like certain places in their body where like the, ten the tension is being held. I have not had that experience. And I asked the teacher, like, am I doing this wrong? I mean, I like, I, I love the way I feel afterwards, but I don't yeah. feel a heaviness. I don't feel. And she mentioned something in the last one. I just did it a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, maybe you're not holding, like, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you're not holding it in your body. But anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But first, you know, what breath work is, how you teach it, um, the benefits and anything you'd want to share on that. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely speak to your experience too. So my breath work that I teach is probably a little bit different than the breath work that you did, just judging by what you're sharing as far as people's experience. Oh, okay. um, I teach, so I teach Eastern Pranayama, which stems from the Hatha yoga tradition. And these practices are really meant to be incorporated into every single day. This is why I love it because it is a daily practice that you can use to really start or end or pause in the middle of your day and create some sort of energetic, emotional, physical, and mental shift, which for me, and I think if anyone has done any research on habits or, you know, changing, changing yourself, changing who you are, the quick hit experiences where, you know, people feel the energy in the room or have these big releases, those are beautiful. And those don't create Sub substantial change forever, right? There's ha there has to be some sort of follow-up from there or else usually what we do is fall back into patterns. And again, I'm going to get a little sciencey here on it, but the reason being is that we have, uh, we have neuroplasticity in our brains and, and our brains and our 
um, responses are all elastic, right? So what that means is that we can have these big, beautiful experiences and experience something for a, a limited amount of time. But if we're not actually consistently doing something in a new way, we're not creating the new pathway in the brain um, because it hasn't been done enough times for our brain to say, okay, this is the new way of being. So yep. I love that style of breath work. I think it's fun to do. I personally haven't had any big releases, um, very similar to you. Like it feels good. And, um, and I can kind of like have these like psychedelic visions behind my eyes, but I've never had these like massive breakthroughs through that practice. Um, but the techniques that I teach really focus on either calming balancing or energizing. So the calming practices are really going to be parasympathetic activating, which is our, you know, our rest and digest our relaxation response. Again, what I was sharing earlier, that safety response that says, ah, all right, I'm safe here. Balancing practices are kind of the practices where your nervous system knows what, what levers to pull. If you need a little bit more of an arousal or a little bit more of a calming, um, sensation for your body, the balancing practices use the intelligence of your body to give you what you need. And then on the other side of the spectrum is more energizing or arousing practices, which are done so to create a sympathetic arousal. And those practices are the practices that I would say are really meant to support you in increasing your tolerance for stress um, and also create more of that heightened aroused uh, response because you're hyper oxygenating your blood, um, which is kind of like uh, cutting off the amount of oxygen that you're getting to your blood by bringing more CO2 in. So there's tons of different breathwork practices and at the core, any type of breathwork that you're doing is really just consciously controlling your breath to create a certain response, whether that be calming, arousing, balancing. Um, again, I love these practices because the practices that I specifically teach because they're more gentle, they're more sustainable. I think it's a lot easier for you to sit down and do five to 10 minutes of a practice like Bastrika or Kapalabhati versus going and doing a two hour, um, two hour transformational breath experience only once a month. Like I would rather my clients be breathing and meditating every single day versus once a month. And we, I think we all know that when you're doing it consistently, it's going to create more of an impact. So that's kind of my, my experience of why I teach the breath, the breath that I teach. I want people to be doing it sustainably. Um, but I do love transformational breath and I, you know, I would agree with, with your teacher sharing that maybe there's not anything that needs to be moved right now, or maybe it's just not the right time. You know, I think our bodies are so intelligent. It knows when to release and maybe, maybe there is nothing to release, or maybe it's like just needing more time to get to the place that needs to be released. Yeah. So, um, for like, what is the difference between meditating and focusing on your breath and the breath work that you teach, or are you doing them together? Like, is it meditation plus breath work at the same time? So the way that I, and if you look at the limbs of yoga, the way that it's structured to get to enlightenment is, um, asana, which is our physical practice, pranayama, and then meditation or dhyana or dharana. And so the breath is actually preparing the body to sit in meditation. So I see the breath as kind of this broom that brushes up all of the cobwebs inside of your body so that when you actually sit in stillness, you're not inundated by chaos and mess all around you. Now, there are mindfulness-based practices that um, focus on the breath as your, I would say as your guide or as your anchor into Mm -hmm. the moment, but, and, and I guess you could call that breath work. If you were doing some sort of conscious control of the breath, if you're just, you know, focusing on your breath without controlling it, that's not necessarily breath work, but if you are taking some, like as an example, box breath or equal ratio breathing um, in Sanskrit, it's samavriti pranayama is an equal ratio inhale, hold at the top, exhale, hold at the bottom. So a lot of people know that practice. It's, you know, you can start with a four inhale, four retention, four exhale, four retention. And wait, that actually, would be, sorry, I don't yeah. want to, I, I would love for, let's, let's, let's do that really quickly. If, we, if someone's listening to this, um, can you just guide them through like, a couple breaths. 
Yeah, absolutely. And no, for anyone that's listening, even if you're driving, as long as you're keeping your eyes closed, you can do this breath work practice at any time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead and exhale all of your air first to release. Good. Seal your lips. Inhale through your nose, down into your belly for a count of four, two, three, four. Hold your breath at the top. Good. Exhale through your nose for four, three, two, one. Hold the breath at the bottom. Lungs are empty. We'll do that two more times. Inhale through your nose. Fill up the belly. Draw the breath all the way up into your chest. Hold at the top. Exhale through your nose for four, three, two, one. Hold at the bottom. Good. One more time. Inhale for four, two, three, four. Hold. Exhale for four, three, two, one. Hold last time. Okay, and then take a deep breath in, breathe into the belly, rib cage, chest. And exhale to release. And that's Ooh. it. Simple. <sighs> Lovely. I feel like my head feels clear <laughs> or mm. something. Isn't that so silly how like quickly we can just ground ourselves? Yeah. It's so funny to me. I'm like, oh. Two, two seconds for me to just drop in and be more present and yeah. not be so reactive or like feel defensive, but just like be in the moment and just bring myself here. Yeah. So I, oh my God, well, I think I was cutting you off. So I want you to finish what you were, what oh, you were saying yeah. before. That was, by the way, thank you for that. That was yeah, beautiful. Of course. Um, so I was just saying that there are mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques that do focus on the breath, but it's not in a really controlled way. It's just using the breath to anchor you into the now moment. Whereas the way that I teach breath work and um, meditation is kind of as this duo, right? We use the breath first. And then once we're done breathing, we can sit in meditation and actually have a much more profound experience because we've taken the time to settle the body down, arrive in the moment. And from that stillness, like you said, your head is so much more clear. So a lot of people will say that it's so much easier to meditate because they bring breath work in. I can totally see that. I feel like meditating right now. <laughs> like I, I, and I, and you know what? I, um, I, I'm, I've definitely become much better, but I used to really struggle with meditating because I felt like I never had the time. And I think that that just that little, whatever that was a minute that we did is exactly what you need. You do have the time. And when you feel like really present, um, it's just such a different energy. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that I see it, and it's funny because I was just having this conversation earlier is that on like a, on a physiological and neurological level, it's actually providing your body with serotonin and dopamine, like all of the happy alkaline uh, chemicals and hormones that our body thrives off of to feel good. And so even if it's just sitting down to meditate for 10 minutes, it's setting you up for a day of greater success. Not only are you going to be more present, you're going to be less reactive. You're going to become more aware of what's going on. You're going to become more aware of what's happening inside of you. You're going to feel better because of those happy, those happy chemicals. Mm -hmm. And if you just think about it from the perspective of what that means on throughout your life, throughout the rest of your day, through relationships and the connections you make and how you show up, like it's, it's life-changing and it's really actually simple. Um, And, you know, the thing that I would love to just share with everybody, especially, you know, share with you is that even if the meditation isn't a deep meditation, a deep experience, even if your mind is racing or you keep 
losing track of like your breath or whatever it might be, even if all of those things are happening, you're still getting the benefits of the meditation. And in fact, the shallower meditations actually do even more good for your, for your body, for your brain, for your emotions, because it's releasing any of the stress associated Mm -hmm. with those thoughts. Yes. And that, and you know what, that's a, that's a perfect way to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about before with triggers. So um, going back to those steps, so we become aware, we start to question it. And then you were talking about the embodiment. So can you walk us through like an example of a trigger and using these steps and using breath work and meditation um, to heal, transmute, again, going back to um really moving past the trigger and using it as an opportunity for growth. Yeah, absolutely. So the first piece, right, is understanding that you're in a triggered response. So the way to understand that is really actually through your breath and through your body. You know, I think it's really easy to spot when we're feeling triggered because our body lights up in some sort of way, either the heart starts racing, our breath gets choppy, we might clench our jaw or our fists, it might feel like a knot in our stomach or a dropping of the stomach, or the heart feels like it's caged up, like all of those physical um, physical indications can tell us that we are in a triggered state. And so once you feel that, it's your responsibility to take a step back from whatever it is that you're doing or where you are and create space for yourself to deal with that trigger in the moment. So it could be even as simple as like, I'm out at dinner and I feel triggered. I'm going to go into the bathroom and when I'm in the bathroom, I'm going to just take a moment to myself to breathe and bring myself back into my power. So Mm -hmm. what it might look like in simplest form is for you to, is for you to take a beat, start to notice how you feel your breath moving in your body. Most times if we're in a triggered state, it's just going to be up in the chest versus breathing all the way down into your belly. And then what I would suggest doing is putting a hand on your heart, a hand on your belly and taking three deep breaths in, breathing in for four, making sure that you're breathing all the way down into your belly, your rib cage, and then your chest. So again, building from the bottom up, breathing in for four though, then taking an exhale for eight. So when we elongate our exhales, it activates our vagus, uh, our vagus nerve, which is a part of the parasympathetic response or the parasympathetic system. So essentially what it does is serve as a break in the stress response. So anytime you elongate your exhale, you're activating that vagus nerve. And anytime that you're breathing down into your belly, you're also activating that vagus nerve. So it's really, really simple, but, um, as an important function. And I would just take three deep breaths, just like that, breathing in for four, exhaling for eight. And if you need more than three breaths, take as many as you need just slowing down, bringing yourself back into the moment. And when you start to feel that sense of calmness, for me, it almost feels like my brain is melting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And once you start to feel that sense of calmness, that's when you can say, okay, what do I, who do I desire to be in this moment? Mm -hmm. What do I desire to feel? How do I choose to relate to this? And I think those three Mm -hmm. questions, again, who do I desire to be in this moment? How do I desire to feel? Mm How do I choose to relate to this are three really empowering questions that bring your power back into your own being and give you the opportunity to choose. Mm-hmm. And from that choice, you get to take action that aligns with, again, how you want to feel, who you want to be, and how you want to relate to it. Oh, I love this so much. And you know what? This is also, I mean, the this podcast, and I think one of the reasons listeners come to this podcast is, you know, for manifestation and how do I manifest my best life? How do I manifest my desires? How do I manifest a better relationship? All these things. But this is, this is it too. Who do I desire to be? Who do I desire? How do I desire to feel that is manifesting too, because it's choosing and thinking about what you want and embodying that. 
Um, do you, I, I would love, and I know we're, we're at time, but um, as a closing question, how do you think about or use breath work for manifesting in your life? Mm, yes. I mean, it's, it's the invitation into feeling right. When I think about manifestation, the big piece that I personally think like the secret misses is the aspect of, of feeling into what it is that you desire. Mm -hmm. And if we think about the things that we desire more often than not, I would, I would assume that they are associated with some sort of positive feeling. So as an example, if I want to manifest, let's say like me wanting to manifest this house that I bought. So there were positive feelings associated with getting handed the keys and hearing my realtor say, we got it. And mm -hmm. that first day stepping inside the house. And I know what those feelings are. And I know how to call those feelings into my body. Now, sometimes it can be hard to feel into the reality that we desire. So that's really where breath work comes in, where we can use, you know, one of those more arousing or energizing practices that I mentioned to change and shift how we feel on an emotional level. So that when we go through the process of like asking for what we desire, receiving the inspired action to take and, and believing in it, um, breathwork kind of serves as that space that like expands us into feeling into the belief that we really can have what we desire. Ava, I love that. I, that is just so beautiful. I love that so, so much. And the way that you explain that, um, I that, that hit with me. And I think that that's going to resonate so much with other people. Amazing. Um, I love that. So how do people connect with you? What do you have going on right now? I know there's a few different things. So can you share with us what those are? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. This conversation has been great. Um, so right now we are in our enrollment for our Seventh round of the Academy of Breath, which, as I mentioned earlier, is our 12 week breathwork and meditation certification program. And, you know, whether you desire to deepen your personal practice or want to teach breathwork and meditation, this program is unlike anything that I've ever seen. And, you know, to be honest, that's why I created it is because I wanted to create something that blended science and spirituality as well as the behind the scenes of how to build a successful wellness business into one certification program. So we've certified over 375 students over the past two years, and we're just getting started, but we start on September 1st. And I'm so excited for this round. It's going to be our last one of the year. Um, and then outside of that, we have different courses. I do, uh, as I mentioned, business coaching and men mentorship. I have a whole library of different courses around everything from manifestation to money, to confidence and personal power. So you can find all of that on, um, all the business coaching on avajohana.com and then academyofbreath.org is where our uh, certification is hosted. Love, love, love it. And I will have links to all of this in the show notes. Ava, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. Just exceeded my expectation. I mean, I, I feel like I learned a lot today. So I'm very, very grateful for you. Oh, yes. I had so much fun and I hope everyone listening was able to take away at least like one little thing to incorporate into, into their lives today. And yeah, just thank you so much for having me on. For everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I hope you got a lot out of this one. If you are enjoying the podcast, please drop a rating and a review on iTunes if that's your platform or just drop a rating on Spotify because they don't do reviews apparently. Um, all right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, week, month, year. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>